Uh, well, welcome to the month of August. It's a, it's a great month. It's one of my favorite months of the year. It's, uh, the weather is good. It virtually never rains in August, although we had some this, didn't we? We had a little rain on, on uh, it was, what was it, Friday it rained here? Yeah, I mean, that was really strange. We don't usually get that much rain in August. Honestly, at least that's not what I think. Anyway, I don't remember a lot of rain in August, but I guess occasionally it does. But August is a great time because the days are still relatively long. And hopefully you're getting some time to be in the book of Proverbs. I've encouraged you to read Proverbs during, uh, the, during the summer. I know I've been preaching through Romans, but I've come to the end of Romans 8, which is the end of that big section, so halfway through the book. Not sure when I'll go back into Romans, but um, probably sometime soon. But right now, uh, this, this time, it's a good season to just read Proverbs and think about how the Lord speaks throughout that book. Um, and so this, this month, I just, just really sensed that I was supposed to, and I'm going to because the Lord's speaking to me, that, to, to preach four sermons out of the book of Proverbs. It's a very practical book, you know. Uh, sometimes as a pastor, uh, sometimes you probably think I'm a broken record, but as a pastor, it's really important to help people put some practical things into their lives. Sometimes they get pretty cerebral, um, and I might lose people occasionally, but here, hopefully, I don't lose anyone this month. And it's uh, and so four sermons on the book of Proverbs. Um, so again, it's just about getting wisdom for living. There we go. It's four sermons from Proverbs, and this week, this this uh, this day, this Sunday, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. It's a uh, it's a major theme. Uh, this morning. Hey, by the way, is uh, Quentin and Sarah here? Come here. Okay, I'm going to cut the sermon for a moment. Come here. Come up here. I told them if they came back, I would uh, have them come up here. Probably would have them come up here. They came to me this morning and were looking for a little bit of, little bit of help. And uh, I, just, I just want the church to lift them up. We had some time of prayer. I just want the church to lift them up. They have some very real financial needs. Quentin says he's in a, in a work work source program up in, up in um, Chehalis, and he needs, needs some help. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, Harry, I'm putting you on the spot, but I hope that's okay. It's because, th- look at these people. Turn around, look at these people. See these people? They are loving people, okay? And I want you to know that, that uh, I, I'm going to ask them to pray for you, and if the Lord moves anyone to talk to Quentin and Sarah after church and, and, and maybe give a little financial help, so be it. Uh, but but uh, Quentin and Sarah are trying to get their lives together, and uh, here's their daughter Princess over here, right? Yes, and uh, thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's fantastic. Back. Yeah, this is this is great. Hey, let's let's pray for them, okay? Because they're just trying to get their lives together, and uh, they they're having kind of a tough time. So, uh, Father, we lift up this family. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, give them grace. Lord, I ask Lord that you would care for their daughter, and uh, I guess Sarah has another one coming, right? Oh, Father, uh, they are important to you, so bless them, Lord, and give them uh, direction and, uh, and, and get their lives together. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, walk in your ways, that they would know you, that they would have the fear of the Lord. Talking about the fear of the Lord today. So pray that the, that the fear of God would be upon their lives and they would uh, walk uh, in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. And uh, we know that you, you are a God who loves them and wants to provide for them. So, God, we lift them up. Thank you, uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, uh, amen. Thanks for coming back, man. Thanks for coming and seeing us. 
talking about the fear of the Lord. This actually relates very much to the fear of the Lord uh, today because, you know, God speaks to us at times you don't expect it. God's in the moment, right? And it's like God sometimes speaks to us and says, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this person? What are you going to do with these people? And so forth. Anyway, so the, the, the fear of the Lord today. Uh, now, the fear of the Lord is used 14 times in the book of Proverbs. It's a major theme in the book of Proverbs. It's used 14 times just that way. But also, in addition to that, um, we're going to get to those verses. In addition to that, three other times, it's, it, there's a reference to the fear of the Lord in the sense of like a person who fears the Lord. So it really, it's 17 times. It's 17 times in the book of Proverbs. So it, it's, a, it's a major theme. Uh, and and it, it comes in very crucial places. We're going to get to 1-7 in a little bit here. It comes in very crucial places. Now, you may not be real familiar with the book of Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs divides at chapter 10. So through first the first nine chapters, and then, and then, it, and then it shifts, makes a, makes a difference, or, or changes uh, basically the topic that it's talking about. Anyway, you'll, you'll see at the very end of the book, 31-30, okay, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. At the very end of the book, uh, we read this, 31-30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but, the, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's a reminder uh, to not just women, but to all of us to fear the Lord. And then at the end of chapter 9, right before, uh, you know, before, before chapter 10 where you have that change, you see it here again. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I just wanted to show that to you. But let's take a look at... Um, that was for context purposes. Let's just take a look at verse 7 here for a moment. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, again, some immediate context here for, uh, for, the, for uh, verse 7. The first verse uh, talks about who wrote Proverbs. Uh, that being, I'll just go and read it to you. The proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, Solomon did not write the entire book of Proverbs. <laughs> I mean, the Proverbs itself tells us that there are certain Proverbs that are not from Solomon, but from someone else. So he didn't write the entire book of Proverbs, but he wrote many of them. Okay, and that's why it begins that way. The Proverbs of Solomon, king of da son of David, king of Israel. All right? Then it tells us, before we get to verse 7, it tells us the purpose of the Proverbs. And this is important. Why does we even have the book in the Bible? Right? Why is it there? Okay? And, he, and, he, and uh, he, Proverbs tells us the reason why the book of Proverbs is in our Bible says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, in justice, and equity, practical things, you see, to give prudence to the simple. By the way, there's a bias there, right, in the sense that people who are just willing to be taught, that are people who are simple, that's a good thing. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. This is a book about learning. That's what this is. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and saying, and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. In other words, one of the things that is implied here in the book of Proverbs is that this book is actually meant to teach you to read. It's actually meant to teach you to read. There are good readers and there are bad readers. 
There are ways to read a book. God wants all of us to grow up a little bit intellectually, a little bit, right? We all start in different places, but he wants us to grow and become a little bit more, a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more um, wise to be able to understand things. Anyway, so this is the purpose behind it. Now let's go to, let's go, go to uh, verse 7, and this is the agenda. The agenda is set, I put up there in verse 7. This is what this book is really about at the core, at the foundation level. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so, so this whole thing, I, I just, there's a couple things I wanted to point out here in that, in that verse, just before we get into the definition of the fear of the Lord. A couple things I just got to point out. Number one, um, this is great, Justin. I want to make a Jumanji out of wood. That's fantastic, bud. Can I do it? I don't know, and I can't do it right now. Can I try later? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, so uh, if anyone's listening to this on podcast, by the way, that's my son. Okay, just saying, just saying. And uh, he doesn't understand any boundaries, right? So there you have it. It's okay. It's, good. it's okay. So it's the fear of the Lord. Now, the, this is an interesting statement here because I want to just for a moment talk about uh, this whole thing, Lord. Now, notice again, and many of you have heard this before, but you notice it doesn't say the fear of God, right? Although it is about the fear of God, it doesn't say the fear of God is the beginning of, of knowledge. Why does, it, why does it do that? Well, first of all, this, Lord, this word Lord is, again, it's the name of God, right? Uh, you've heard me say this many times. It goes all the way back to Exodus 3. When Moses is, for, is before the burning bush, and God's calling Moses you know, to lead his people out of Egypt, and Moses is confused by this, and he doesn't want to do it. He's kind of afraid, oh, you can't, you know, who am I to do this kind of stuff? And so we read this in Exodus 3 and verse 13. It says, then Moses said to God, okay, I got a big one for you. You think I'm, I'm, I'm capable of able to do this? Well, I got a big one for you. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, that's important because in the, in the world of, of Egypt and all the surrounding nations, the, name, the gods had names, and they used those names in magical ways to kind of control them and so forth. Okay? Uh, and, and Moses says, look, i got to know your name. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to do. To you. Now, this is very difficult for English translations, but the basic idea here is that God's really given us his name, and it has to do with the existing, the one who lives. So you have the I am. It's the one who lives. It's the one who is. This is my name. It's Yahweh, which Jews don't pronounce. Um, but that gets into com more complicated issues than I want to get into this morning. But the point is, is that this is very specific. So most of the time when we read the Old Testament, if it says the Lord, most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, it is referring to this situation right here. God's giving the reader his name, okay? Yahweh, which means the one who exists. He's the one who is truly independent of all others, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Not just the fear of God, little g, but the fear of the Lord. You see, because all other creatures are dependent upon this particular one. 
I, I, I suspect that there are people today who think that they are independent of God. I suspect that the people who shot, uh, shot all those people in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio, think that they have a life independent of God. Uh, but there is no independence from God. There is no existing without the hand of God. In fact, God is even sustaining people in eternal punishment. Uh, that gets into some pretty deep theological issues. But the reality is, is that God is the one being who cannot not exist. Okay? He does exist, and everything else and everyone else is dependent upon God. All right. Um, there's another issue here in that verse that I just wanted to take a, take a look at here. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now we're getting into some serious education issues in terms of the church, in terms of our public, even our public education, not, certainly private education, but in terms of public education. The Bible claims that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. We're in big trouble. Because the premise behind our education, one of the firm premises behind our education system, public education system, is that we can't talk about God. Can't do it. That means that the church has to stand up and take its education of children very seriously. Because if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that means all other knowledge, in some measure, is... Um, without that fear, is it begins in the wrong place. Okay, so it won't end well. But think of it this way, right? Okay, so I had a good friend in here. He came in here the a uh, few years ago, and he challenged me to run that run a half marathon. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm I'm gonna. I hope I'm gonna get that. I've got to be careful about saying I'm going to get there. Still haven't gotten there. I'm trying. I've had moments of pretty good training. But you know how people run marathons, even in Olympic events sometimes? It's every now and then something happens in a marathon, and then someone shows up in front of who everyone thought was winning it. In other words, they come in at the end, and they run in, and they get all the glory. You remember those scenes? You've seen those scenes, right? Of course, they get in big trouble, right? And they can't end right because they didn't begin right. You've got to begin in the right place. This is the way it is with knowledge. You have to begin in the right place. Where you begin will determine where you end up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So all kinds of things that we know, and there's some good knowledge, there's some knowledge that we're not supposed to have, some knowledge, not all knowledge is good knowledge. But, there's, but, but everything that we know needs to, in some measure, connect to that right there. So Steve knows all, things, all these things about airplanes, which fascinates me, by the way. All right? But all of his knowledge in some way is, there's kind of an emptiness to it unless, it puts, unless he has perspective. Why do I know all these things? What's the point of this? What's the purpose of my life? And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is how, how uh, our lives are supposed to be. Okay, well, anyway, I could talk a long time about that. And it definitely has an impact on our education system because we've got to get our children to know the Lord and to know the fear of the Lord. They need to know the biblical story so they can understand and, and get perspective on their education in the public school systems. Absolutely has to happen. 
Um, we don't do a good job with that, by the way. I'm not saying this church doesn't do a good job or teachers are great and all that kind of thing, but I'm telling you, the, our country's in trouble. I mean, our country's in huge trouble because the biblical story is an unknown story in our society now. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay? But also notice this. I've got I to mention this. Okay? Say, just, just a reminder about this. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, this is verse 7 of chapter 1, the foundational verse in the, in the book of Proverbs. And so what the book of Proverbs is trying to tell us is that, look, we have to be humble. We have to be teachable. We have to be. A person who is not teachable is a fool, right? So, look, I'm, I've I got to be teachable. I have to come to uh, the Bible with a humble heart. I've got to be willing to learn, okay? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the premise here in the book of, not, a book of uh, Proverbs is that we're able to, you know, that, we, that God's calling us to come and to learn. I find it interesting, you know, Dogmatic people, people who have all the answers, they're not teachable. They're not teachable. Skeptic, skeptics are not teachable either, right? Skeptics are not teachable. Dogmat, people who are dogmatic are not teachable. Okay, all right. There are other places. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay. One, okay, so Proverbs 1.7 is not the only place that the fear of the Lord is paired with the knowledge of God. And I just wanted, to, wanted you to be aware of this. Uh, we get into chapter 2, you know, asking what is this knowledge? Um, chapter 2, we, we read this. Actually, that's the wrong verse. Here we go. We'll go this one. Here we go. There we go. Verse, verse 1, chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, there it is again, and find the knowledge of God. So seeking God, seeking the fear of the Lord, seeking him, really seeking it, uh, you can find it. And it goes on about this knowledge. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Here's the point. What is this knowledge that the fear of the Lord gives us? What is it? It's the practical stuff. You don't, you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to understand all the big words. You don't have to have a great, you know, you don't need to have a good realized eschatology. You don't need to, well, you do need to have a good uh, Christology, but you don't need to use those words. The point is, is that, because there's all kinds of big words in theology. But the point of the book of Proverbs is to give you the practical, nitty-gritty, down-to-earth stuff. So we know how to live. If you seek it, if you seek it, you see, if you have a humble heart and seek God here and, and read the book of Proverbs and ask him to give you more wisdom and give you this knowledge, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. You know, you know why I think why the Pharisees didn't understand Jesus? They didn't have this. They didn't have this. Their hearts were not in the right place, so they couldn't receive it the way they were supposed to receive it. 
Okay. All right. Now, let's get into, see, this is a summer sermon, so I can just teach. And, and, and since you love that so much, you can just, re- right? You can just receive it. Okay. So now the crucial, the, 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 the crucial question here, what is the fear of the Lord? We talked about the Lord. We talked about knowledge. We talked about being teachable. Obviously, I'm showing you a little bit about verse 7. What is the fear of the Lord? Right. Well, um, it's actually it's actually attached to this right here, this idea here, and you see in Deuteronomy 10, 12. In other words, it's hard to define what the fear of the Lord is, but we can see it. We know it when we see it, right? We know it when we see it. So the book of Deuteronomy is basically this commentary on the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. And when you get into chapter 10, it's really about the first commandment there. You have no other gods before me. And when you get into verse 12, it says this. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? This. To fear the Lord your God. To walk only in his ways, i.e. there's plenty of other ways you can walk in. A lot of the gods out there to love him and to serve him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Um, do you know what the fear of the Lord looks like? It looks like obedience. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. I mean, you think about it for a moment. Whoever shot those people in El Paso and in, and in Ohio, they don't have the fear of the Lord. Right? There's no obedience in them. Okay? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm so worried about our country. I am so worried because the fear of God is just seems to just evaporate. It just seems to be, have evaporated from so much of our land. There's very little fear of the Lord in our own community. Um, you know what Dostoevsky said? You've probably heard this before. Dostoevsky said, he's a famous Russian writer, those of you who don't know, if God does not exist, everything is permitted. You know what? That describes our nation pretty well doesn't it? It seems like it does. It certainly describes people who pull out um, these guns and shoot others. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's a good word for us as Christians, right? Sometimes Christians think, hey, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter how I live. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm okay now. God's got me covered. Um, I don't think you're better than the Apostle Paul what he says we must all inclusive scope there right all we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body how does that make you feel today but what he has done in the body whether good or evil therefore Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I 
I hope that speaks to you this morning. What does the fear of the Lord look like? It looks like obedience. Um, and I could say a lot more about this. A lot more. But again, Deuteronomy 10, 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? This, the fear of the Lord your God, to walk only in his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul. I hope you see the connection between fear and love here. Right? That somehow to fear God also to love God. Um, check this out. What did Jesus say? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. Obedience is a pretty big deal, right? Remember the Apostle Paul in Romans? We talked about this quite a bit, about the Romans. What's the purpose of his ministry and of his writings in Romans? To bring about the obedience of faith. He starts, starts the book with it. Actually, he ends the book with it. To bring about the obedience of faith. Obedience is just flat out part of our lives. But, but check this out. It's not purely an outward obedience. This is where sometimes we make a mistake. It's not purely an outward obedience. It is also an inward obedience. That's where it gets really difficult, right? Because the work has to be done not simply by ourselves. We say yes to God's grace, and God works within us, within us, so that we become the kind of people that, that fear God. This is a work that's bigger than you and me, but God is glad to do it. He's excited to do it if we call upon his name. Remember what Jesus says in Luke? You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this to you. In Luke, in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit. What kind of tree are you? That's the imagery here. What kind of tree are you? No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. See? And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The point is, is that God has to do a work in your heart in order for you to you even to begin to obey because it's an inward obedience as well as an outward obedience. Um, okay. So we might define this fear of the Lord or the fear of the Lord this way. That which inspires us to walk in obedient love to Jesus Christ. Moral conduct in the sphere of love. Okay? So, if you just think about that for a moment, it means that, hey, as long as I do that, I can live life in my own little world. But the Bible doesn't let us get away with that either. Because it's not about living your life in your own little world. What is the fear of the Lord? Um, let's consider the Old Testament witness. Let's take a look at Psalm 111 for a moment. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. All by myself. While I'm out on the golf course. Or while I'm out fishing in the morning. Whatever it would be. doesn't say that, does it? I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright. 
in the congregation. Great are your works, O Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, as righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. Think the, think the Israelites walking through the Red Sea, by the way. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. Did not God provide for the Israelites in the wilderness? This is, what, this is what he's thinking about right here. This is in the background. He remembers his covenant forever. What is that covenant? There's a little advertisement, by the way, uh, for Thursday nights, right? Come on Thursday nights starting in September. If you possibly can. Not all of you can. Work may get in the way and so forth. I understand that. But come on Thursday nights because we're going to be walking through 12 weeks of what it means to, well, we're going to give you a foundation for understanding the Old Testament. And, and here's what we're going to discover is that the covenants of God are very, very important. This happens to be, on the writer's mind here, the covenant with Moses. He remembers his covenant forever. I think he gets into the covenant with David uh, in the second part of this. Right? He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Maybe talking about the Davidic covenant here at this point. If you don't know what I'm talking about, come on Thursday nights. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't understand what Psalm 11, if you don't understand what God's talking about here, if you don't understand the writer of this psalm, then, then you need to pursue it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All of those who practice it have a good understanding. Um, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make with this psalm. It's so, so important to us as Christians. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that the fear of the Lord is not about the individual any more than it is about the community. Um, in fact, there's no obedience. There's no loving Jesus Christ. Not biblically speaking. There's no obedience. There's no loving Jesus Christ without participation in the broader Christian community. Because the Bible gives us this truth. And it says, look, look, if you have the fear of the Lord, it means that you are part of a congregation. You are part of what God's doing. I think Jesus said something like this to uh, Peter. Didn't he say something like this to Peter in Matthew 16? I will build my church. You know what that implies? It means if you're going to be a part of me, you need to be a part of my church, part of it. The fear of the Lord means that we will be Part of the Christian community. Now the Israelites understood this completely. They understood that there was, essentially, there was no salvation outside the synagogue. Outside of God's people meeting together, there was, there was no salvation. There's an emphasis upon the, the, about, on the community being the means or the way in which people are saved. And the New Testament becomes a minor theme, but the reality is, is that without participating in the, in, in the Christian, broader Christian community, it doesn't even make sense, Right? So, so what is the fear of the Lord? Moral conduct and loving God in the sphere of God's love, loving him, that relationship personally, but also 
the fear of the Lord means this today, right? Being together. Right, so think about that when, uh, when you think about, in, when in the morning when you think about going to church. Because it's, it's actually very serious stuff. You know? Um, the church is in trouble in the United States. In fact, the church is in trouble in the West because the people of God don't think being in church or a, really a part of church is, is what matters. All I need to do is go online. And do a little church every now and then. Listen to a people, someone on, 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 listen to a podcast. Listen to Pastor Paul's podcast. Church is much more than that, isn't it? There's so much more I can talk about. I've really run out of time. There's so much more I can talk about. The fear of God. Remember, the fear of the Lord is what made God's people, that is Israel in the Old Testament, it was their special privilege above, above all other privileges. They actually feared the Lord. The nations didn't, have, didn't even know what that, they had no idea what that meant. But they feared the Lord. The fear of the Lord gave Jesus the strength to remain to the end. The fear of the Lord was that which helped him be and live out the election of God. The fear of the Lord forms our character. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You'll see it in Psalm 111. You'll also see it in Proverbs 9.10. It gives us power to endure to the end, but time has escaped us. Um, but it's so important that we get a handle on the fear of the Lord and the book of Proverbs this summer, this month. Okay, So three more themes, next three sermons. Come, be a part of the Christian community. Have the fear of God in your life. Live it out. This morning we come to Holy Communion and, and I want you to know that the fear of the Lord takes us to a good place. It takes us to a place of life, participation. It takes us to a place where Jesus just wants to put his arms around us and hold us and carry us one day to heaven itself, right? I want you to know if you haven't been here before, that we believe that communion is a, um, it's a gift of God to you. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to come to communion. Uh, the Lord loves you and he seeks you out. Um, so I just want you to know that all are welcome. But come and asking God for the appropriate fear. Lord Jesus, we thank you for simple elements of bread and a cup. Pray, Lord, that you'd pour out your spirit upon these elements. Lord, may they be truly Jesus to us. Uh, I don't know what that means. I just know that we need your presence in our lives. And you've given us this, this, uh, this sacrament so that we could experience you in profound ways. So, Lord, we trust that you're here, and we trust that you will come upon this bread and the cup and upon this community that we would know Jesus Christ and live in him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.